Welcome to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast sponsored by GuideHouse, where we discuss all things under the auspices of the Comptroller's Office and address top-of-mind issues in the financial management community. Good morning. My name is Tom Rhodes. I'm a partner with GuideHouse, where I work with clients across the DOD and other government agencies to transform and optimize their financial management functions. I'll be your host for today's podcast. For those of you who may be new to this podcast series, let me take just a moment to provide some background on the American Society of Military Comptrollers. The American Society of Military Comptrollers, or ASMC, is the nonprofit educational and professional organization for individuals, military, civilian, corporate, or retired, involved or interested in the field of defense financial management. ASMC promotes the education and training of its members and supports the development and advancement of the profession of defense financial management. The society provides membership, education and professional development, and certification programs to keep members and the overall financial management community abreast of current issues and encourages the exchange of information, techniques, and approaches. And with that, I'd like to introduce our government guest for today. Today we have with us Ms. Delmar. Ms. Delmar is a leader in government business transformation and agile information technology application. With over 35 years of experience, her comprehensive knowledge and experience in management consulting, systems consolidation and modernization, and business reform distinguishes her as an outcome-driven industry thought leader in financial improvement. Ms. Delmar serves as the principal senior financial management systems advisor and direct support of the development and execution of the DOD financial management strategy for fiscal years 22 through 26 and the execution plan fiscal years 23 through 24 and the integrated roadmap. She is also the executive ensuring the functional sponsor responsibilities for the DOD's defense agencies initiative, DAI, a standard compliant enterprise business capability for defense agencies and to enable the Marine Corps audit. Good morning, Deb. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning, Tom. I'm honored to be the guest on your All Things FM podcast, truly. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. And what we thought is maybe we could start by having you share with us your background and maybe talk to us a little bit about what brought you to your current position at the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense Comptroller. Or in other words, Deb, maybe just share with us your story. Okay, great. Yes, uh, I'd be happy to do that. So my current position here at Comptroller is I'm the Senior FM Systems Advisor, and I'll go into a little more detail on that. But I certainly am a fairly new uh, public servant and really, really honored to be able to serve and give back in that capacity. So I grew up as a military brat and was deeply, obviously, involved in that military lifestyle, if you would. So I am the beneficiary and the product of DOD schools and DOD healthcare and commissaries, PXs, lived on post, you know, all of those things uh, that comes with being a military brat. And my father desperately wanted me to enter the military, but frankly, I had kind of had it with moving around, um, as I'm sure uh, many could could identify with. So I made a commitment to him and said, Dad, I promise that I will serve uh, the DOD 
from the industry side and try and make a difference in that regard. And he, you know, he was very appreciative of that, right? Because when you think about, you know, the, the, the sort of who ends up making things really happen in the DOD, it obviously is our, our uniform leadership, the military, you know, it's our civilians, and then it is our industry partners and counterparts. And it's those three that kind of make everything happen. So I served from that side for almost 35 years focusing on business transformation, on FM modernization, and, and driving change. And I was at a point a couple of years ago where um, I was really, really interested in crossing that chasm and coming into government and, and serving and trying to help make a difference. And so I, I got an initial opportunity to do that at the VA, which was wonderful, a, a very compelling and um, complementary mission, of course, to the DOD and driving business transformation there for the deputy. And then um, I got an opportunity from the DOD comptroller to come into the department and um, help both develop and drive their FM strategy and the execution of the strategy. So it was, you know, just a, a gift. It was uh, like I had spent my whole life, trying, you know, sort of moving to this point of having this kind of an opportunity to, um, to help make things better. And so here I am. And uh, grateful for every day, wonderful mission, wonderful colleagues, very, very committed community here and really sort of pushing the ball down the field. Well, I think you successfully met your commitment to your dad. And I, I for one, definitely appreciate the service that you've provided and all the things that you've done. I know you've been very active in supporting the Department of Defense. So thank you very much. And as I read the fiscal year 22 to 26 DOD financial management strategy, which I believe is the first of its kind, this strategy comes across as a bold call to action, and it provides an overarching framework for standardization of approaches, especially in terms of tackling foundational root cause impediments to progress. Deb, can you share a little bit about these impediments from your lens and where you see we're making progress? Yes, I'd be happy to. And I you know, I'm very, very passionate about this undertaking and very optimistic about the ability to deliver results for the department. And to your point, Tom, yes, it is unique. So I've been involved in the past with DODFM strategies, both here at Comptroller. I was a um, I was an industry exec on an exchange program for a year for the CIO and worked here in DCFO. I was a part of the BMMP effort from the industry side early on and so forth. I worked with the Army on, on their FM strategy. But this one is truly different, and that's why I'm so excited about it for a couple of reasons. The first is that, to your point, it was officially signed out by both Honorable McCord, Honorable Miller, and supported and approved by all of the service VPs as well as the director of DFAS and, and, the, um, and the joint staff, uh, J8. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because there's a shared vision 
their shared priorities and goals. And there's a commitment to really work together for shared successes and rewards. And so that was never accomplished before. Um, the second thing is it's not all things to all people. It very deliberately calls for, you know, accelerated progress. It calls for, again, focus on the wave top priorities that everybody shares, and we really need a collective approach to solve them. And it puts a time frame on it, which, again, I believe is so critical in terms of that forcing function to really drive implementation, drive outcomes. And so when you when you put all of that together, it, it is that framework of, you know, hey, here's what we want to achieve in five years, but here's the things that we really need to tackle together as a community. We need to resource those solutions and we need to implement them in a very streamlined standard approach so that the benefit not only for operations, but also for audit is, is really there. So I like to think of this as we're as a community moving to the next level of providing strategic value as partners to deliver results. So we're, we're beyond the days of scorekeeping and looking back and providing, looking back at you, but really helping to lead and to partner to be to allow mission optimization. And as a part of that, we have made a very strong commitment, a, you know, a verbal commitment to be diligent stewards, you know, of the taxpayer funds that are validated by audit, but it builds that public trust and it reduces the effort and the cost over time that the, that have been pursuing, which has been very taxing on the entire community, not just the financial community, but but everybody that has a role in helping to support and achieve audit. So at some point, we will start to reduce the effort. It will be more automated. It will be more natural for us to do this. And um, we can repurpose a lot of effort and funds to maintain readiness and lethality. Um, which in particular in today's environment is so critical. You know, Deb, in terms of strategic partnerships, I know one of the priority areas is reducing legacy systems and expanding compliant enterprise ERPs. And I know you played a big part in supporting the U.S. Marine Corps transition to DAI. From your point of view, what are the challenges you saw from the system migration? Yes, this was a wonderful opportunity to apply the tenants and the proven approaches that are embedded in the strategy and most importantly the execution plan for the strategy on the Marine Corps and their FMERP, which is the Defense Agencies Initiative, DAI. So, so they were sort of the test bed or the incubator, if you would, for really having a burning platform. They had a two-year commitment to get to audit. And we knew that foundationally, DAI would provide a good start to get them audit. I think, Tom, you recall, they had been pursuing audit via their legacy system, Sabres, for 
probably 10 or 15 years. And it just, you know, it, it just would not cross cross the line there if there were just too many too many issues with those legacy that legacy system. So DAI being, you know, a fully compliant, solid ERP offered them a wonderful standard platform from a solution and a systems perspective. And embedded in that is all of the value that you get with using an ERP. And again, you'll hear me be very passionate about the strategic goals of reducing legacy systems, of expanding and using the ERPs appropriately. Okay. And by appropriately, I mean all of those end-to-end business processes that are embedded in the ERP. Use them to the greatest extent possible. Use the preventative controls and the data standardization that the FM ERPs afford. Don't rely on, you know, the back-end reconciliations and, and compensating controls and all of that, which are not auditable and they really don't advance what we're trying to do here. So, you know, the fact that the Marine Corps jumped in with both feet to move to DAI in such a short amount of time, the support that they had both from their leadership, the Don leadership, the DFAS leadership, and OSD leadership to everybody to commit to to focus on making this happen made a huge, huge difference. Now, will I tell you that this is a piece of cake or something? No. Part of the challenge is that the ERP is is still immersed in a legacy environment. So, you know, a lot of manual gaps, a lot of legacy systems, non-direct integration, issues with data standardization, all of those things don't go away just because DAI in and of itself is a auditable compliance system. So that environment created a lot of challenges. The Marine Corps working with DFAS and the PMO and Advana as a great wrapper ended up, you know, in many cases working through those, whether those were workarounds or so forth. But that really is our next challenge is to look at the broader environment, look at those end-to-end business processes and try and use the ERPs the way they should be used and quickly as possible reduce the legacy systems that uh, right now are causing a lot of complications without value and see if we can get to that next point of a a really standard, simplified FM environment that, of course, is, you know, technology-driven, but it's standard-based, and it, it is auditable and operationally effective. You know, Deb, based on your experience working through that migration, are there other lessons that other organizations can learn from the Marine Corps migration to DAI? Maybe even, you know, it sounds like there was extreme power of focus on getting this goal accomplished and unity of direction and and command and even communications. But are there some lessons that others could learn? Yes, there are. And actually, 
we are, as soon as we were taking a knee for a little bit, right? Because everybody is, you know, this has been a tremendous, you know, two and a half, three year campaign, if I can use that term, right? But we are kind of regrouping here. But one of the key goals uh, for the next, you know, handful of weeks is to really document the lessons learned, insights, and so forth that not only will help prioritize the Marine Corps, things that need to get done for FY24 and on, but that can be promulgated across the department uh, for those organizations that are striving for audit and can really benefit from some of these both insights and, and approaches and tactics. The first one I would tell you, absolutely unwavering leadership, resolve, and command. So the commandant stated up front, we're doing this. He didn't just say it. He lived it. You know, he had meetings with all of the key leaders from across the Marine Corps on a very, very regular basis. I want to say it might have been even biweekly for status to remove barriers for accountability and for progress. And there's nothing that can replace that, right? That leadership resolve and commitment to outcomes. The second thing that I think is very critical that uh, the Marine Corps has done is a focus on materiality. They didn't sweat the little things. Everything was not... uh, you know, important because, you know, the old saying, right? Everything's important. Nothing's important. They focused on the areas of biggest bang for the buck. And we helped put in place what was called an Advana wrap where it was a wonderful complement to DAI. You know, DAI has a lot of ad hoc queries. It has standard reports. It has, you know, all the things that an ERP does that can help from the internals of the system. But what Advana did as the wrapper was provide the Marine Corps with what I call an audit lens. So it is that end-to-end view of all the systems that integrate all the transactions, all the problem points along those end-to-end business processes so that they could laser focus their remedy efforts and their tiger teams on the areas, again, of the biggest problems and the biggest impact. So, and in their case, it was really focused on early on contract actions um, to make sure their obligations and everything were done properly. But then it became, you know, looking at those UMTs, those unmatched and really finding the source of those and working it in two regards. One was to decrease the balance of the ones that had occurred, and that was just through brute force. I mean, sheer people working day and night from both DFAS and Marine Corps side to get those balances down. And then the the, the Advana lens showed the problems with the incoming the inflow, and that's really what we're going to be looking at for FY24. Because if we don't tackle, again, that very, very complicated technical environment around DAI and work 
those legacy systems and processes and a lot of the lack of data uh, compliance, it would be very difficult to sustain an audit. And so that wouldn't help anybody if we have to continue this Herculean effort year after year, right? So we've got to get back to those root cause problems, which are yeah, you know, nothing that would surprise you, Tom, and especially in your leadership role, right? Lack of, of um, compliance with data standards, lack of compliance with handshakes, legacy systems, and, um, you know, all of those sorts of things that end up impeding correct GL posting logic. I mean, they all play a role, and at the end of the day, it doesn't match, and then there is a bigger audit problem. So the focus on materiality, the strong partnership that the Marine Corps took with both DFAS, with the PMO, with the DON, and with Comptroller, uh, as well as with the auditors. So a very, very productive and engaged relationship there. And, you know, so that they kind of kept getting temperature checks at every step along the way to make and correct where they needed to. And I think they did that all appropriately uh, within, you know, the the guise of of how they how they really can interact with the auditors. Um, And then, you know, they had a a goal for, hey, perfection is not our friend here. We want to get a C. (laughs) We don't want to get an A. We want to get a C because that's what we need. And at our first step, and we will assert because we believe we can support our JVs, we can have our balances right, and so forth. So I think you can see from what I'm describing that it was an all-in cultural and behavioral model that promoted getting it done, doing it right, and uh, being able to sort of get to the point that uh, the leadership expected. So really a lot of kudos over to them and, of course, to the great, the great, you know, integrated partnership with the other people that were so important to getting it that way. Thanks for sharing those observations, Deb, and for sharing your points of view. I think those are really impactful for other organizations. And in terms of your role within Comptroller, did you see um, or have experiences around or observations you could share with your role in teaming with the Marine Corps on this, on this migration? Thank you, Tom. That is a great question. And yes, um, I would like to say that I think, you know, OSDC played a very pivotal role in terms of both leadership, of of arbitration where necessary, of sort of enforcement and accountability, and also where needed resourcing. So for example, in the the Ivana wrapper that I spoke about a little bit earlier, that was a cell of experts that were provided by Comptroller through their Ivana practice to the Marine Corps to deal with these very specific issues and allow a lot of these root causes to be visible. What happened, which is a wonderful success story, is that the Marine Corps leaned all in on Advana to the point where um, they provided broad access across their service at all of the command, the various command echelon levels and at headquarters. 
and uh, they jumped in with both feet, and they now have approximately 1,500 Advana users, okay? So so the dependency, it, it's like, you know, teach, a, teach somebody a fish analogy. You know, o- OSDC now plays a much less of a, a of an execution role because the Marine Corps has has adopted it, adapted it, taken it on, and is using it to really, really improve operations as well as audit. But that's an example of where, you know, we stepped in to say, hey, we think there's value here, bring Advana in, bring a group of people that can help to teach and set everything up properly and then advise and counsel, and it's worked really great. So, um, and Ms. Miller uh, has been so active in terms of that role of leadership and oversight literally for the last year and a half. I mean, she has met very frequently with the integrated team and the senior leaders um, to get a status update, to remove barriers when those come across. She has ended up actually issuing several memos and directives where where needed to make the improvements in order to help the Marine Corps and what they were pursuing. And not just her familiarity and her engagement and interest, but her setting expectations for results has made a tremendous difference. So very, very proud of, you know, being a part of this, but the OSD leadership in this equation, I think has also made a tremendous difference. And Deb, I think you highlighted very well the power of collaboration and having so many organizations focused on this goal just made such a wonderful difference. So thank you for sharing that. We like to wrap up each episode with some advice for our early careers that may be listening. So Deb, knowing what you know now, what advice would you share those who are just starting out their careers? Wow, that's that's just such a great question. And thank you for asking that because I, I love to to share a little bit in terms of what you know I I what I experienced and and how that might help others that are are just starting out and thinking thinking through what to do here. And and you know, I will be honest with you. So I was a chemistry major in college. I mean, I was gonna go pre-med. <laughs> and nice. you know, and it just, you know, it got so laborious and so forth that I ended up pivoting to to go into business and thinking, okay, maybe there's an avenue of, you know, technology and business and so forth. And, you know, I would say to anybody, one, find your passion. If you are passionate about something for a profession or a career, you will be good at it and you will succeed. The second thing is be engaged. Be all in to what you are doing. Volunteer for things. You know, look for advancement where you can be open for opportunity. And think about the fact that sometimes opportunity isn't always moving up in the organization, but at times it is a, a lateral or horizontal move that will really broaden your network, your relationships, your skill sets, and so forth. Because I think what you'll find in, in our world here at FM, you know, we, we are not a vertical stovepipe, right? We, we very, very much 
we have a have a very important horizontal role with our partners, whether that's with PNR, whether that's with ANS and so forth. And so, you know, having that knowledge often is, you know, is very, very critical for somebody to further understand, you know, where they would like to go and how they might be able to pursue that. Have an informed opinion. Now, by informed, I mean, you know, don't take the time to understand the issues, um, see what might make sense, and responsibly voice that where you're able to, because people admire that, and, and that's important to build confidence. And when you're confident, get a mentor. Uh, you know, you can get both official mentors and you can get informal mentors by, you know, organizations such as ASMC or other other types of professional associations. But that is very, very helpful to have somebody not in your chain of command who can really, you know, advise and help course correct or answer additional questions. The last thing I would say is, you know, has to do with, you know, say what you mean, you know, do what you say. Because, you know, one's word is really, you know, one's integrity. And that's how you build a strength of character. That's how you earn trust and, and respect. The two things that I would always tell my sons was do it right or, or don't do it at all. Right? And the second thing was, hey, you are where you are. If, you know, a mistake has been made or whatever, it's what you do next that counts. And so there's always an ability to come back, course correct, and that sort of thing. So as you're thinking about, you know, starting out again, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? How can you dive into that? And then also give back where you can get involved, volunteer, whatever, because that's another avenue for different, you know, to enter different communities of like-minded people and professionals, and you learn and grow both in terms of your relationships and, and the fun that you're able to have and the satisfaction in terms of both professional purpose and fulfillment. So that's what I would say to any of the early careerists that are starting. And of course, of course, the value of public service. It, it just, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like it. I, I can honestly say from having sat on both sides of the aisle here. There's a purpose here that it's, you know, unparalleled. Let me put it that way in terms of serving the war fighters and serving our country. Thank you so much for sharing that, Deb. Such great advice. And I know how busy you are. And I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be here with us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Again, it was just an honor. I'm so appreciative of uh, the invitation. And congratulations to Guidehouse and, and all of the tremendous uh, work that you do on behalf of our community with these podcasts and, and sharing insights and so forth. So I wish, uh, I wish you all the best also. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast series sponsored by Guidehouse. You can find all our episodes on ASMC's Engage platform and at our website, guidehouse.com, all things financial management.